Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 78. It's a back to school episode where we are. Kids are finally back on the bus in school. Adults can uh, either get back to work or um, celebrate uh, one or the other. Uh, and uh, we're going to go back to school, I think, on some some old technology that's uh, becoming new again and very, very excited. Before we do that, I want to welcome my co-host and the executive producer of the podcast, Lisa Katz. Lisa, welcome. Good morning, Matt. How are you? How was great. your long weekend? Uh, it was great. Uh, I helped my brother build a deck. Oh, cool. And uh, and live to tell about it. Um, so we have a structural engineer in the family. So uh, that we had a good set of plans to start with. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. So uh, why don't you uh, introduce our guests and, and we'll get started. Well, welcome, uh, Doug Obseth and John Gorman. Uh, Doug, you are from SAS Power. You are the director of Generation uh is it asset management and resources yep, asset management, yep. right and and john uh you are the president and ceo of the canadian nuclear association so welcome to energy radio it's a pleasure to have you both on the show happy to be thanks, here Lisa. yeah thanks Matt. maybe you guys can start with and, and maybe we'll start with doug and then we'll go to john we'd love to hear a little bit of a background on how you got into the energy space and how you arrived at sas power and the canadian nuclear association and you can start back as early as you know you want uh, but love to hear sort of how you got into the space and ended up in your current roles. Sure. Uh, well, I'm an engineer by trade, so I spent uh, graduate from the University of Virginia here in Saskatchewan and and worked in consulting for for a long time before I ended up coming to SAS Power uh, back almost 20 years ago. And um, you know, part of my role is looking at on the generation side, just ensuring how we get our electricity, how we keep our electricity reliable here in Saskatchewan right now. So, you know, making sure we can keep our existing generation operating, but more and more of my time has been focused on the planning side of, of focusing on where we're going to get our energy from in the future. And we're certainly looking at two phases right now. We're looking at kind of that, that period as we're transitioning out of conventional coal out to 2030. And then we're really, focusing now a lot on our uh, where we're going to get to in the future and how we're going to get to net zero in the future. And, and that gets to kind of the why we got really involved with with nuclear power and, and things like that. We, we've been looking at nuclear power and different options for a long time. So in the past, we looked at that nuclear power as an option here, and it just didn't make sense for SAS Power at the time or Saskatchewan at the time, just based on the size of Saskatchewan and, and things like that. And then when, you know, the the technology started to evolve around small modular reactors. They just made a lot of sense for Saskatchewan. You know, we're we're a utility and a province like a lot of jurisdictions in Canada, or I guess around the world probably, that doesn't have lots of hydro potential. So we don't have a lot of untapped hydro here. So as we're starting to look into the future, where we're going to get that zero emissions baseload energy that we need here in Saskatchewan, um, you know, SMRs and nuclear power just made a lot of sense for us. So that's why we're spending a lot of time and effort working with, you know, with the CNA and working with other nuclear utilities here in Canada, you know, OPG in Ontario and, and New Brunswick Power to really take a really good look at this because this, to in our view, has a lot of potential for us to to put us on the path to being net zero in the future. And so we're devoting a, a tremendous amount of resources here at SAS Power in Saskatchewan, really taking a good look at this technology and you know, and hopefully, you know, the work we're doing now will lead us to a decision in 2029 where we can decide um, 
decide on, on whether we're going to construct our first uh, SMR, and, and hopefully that could come online as early as 2034. So it's a, it's a really exciting time here in Saskatchewan, I think, in the industry as we're sort of transitioning away from the way we used to generate power and, and moving towards the future. And I think, you know, nuclear power and SMRs are certainly something that's going to be really important for the future here in, uh, in Saskatchewan and in Canada and I think around the world as we try to get our emissions down. So. And Doug, what's the current supply mix in the Sask power grid? You know, we're, we're mostly still fossil fuel. You know, we, you know, we, we start off as a coal utility, like most of our energy used to come from coal and slowly that's transitioned to most of our energy now comes from gas with, with coal there as well. And that really provides the baseload energy we need here in Saskatchewan. You know, we get really, really hot in the summer. So really, really warm in the summer. So we need lots of air, there's lots of air conditioning loads. So we need that baseload power and, and we're really, really cold in the winter. So we need that reliable power there. So we've been mostly fossil fueled. With with some hydro, about 20% of our energy comes from hydro. Uh, we're we're is significantly increased the amount of wind generation here and solar generation here in Saskatchewan. You know, we're on our way to be 50% um, from from wind and solar here in the coming years, and and slowly transitioning away from coal and bringing our emissions down. So we're yeah, we're Great. still fossil fueled, but that that's changing quickly. So good. Great. Thank you, Doug. Thank you very much. And uh, and John, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, I'd love to. I, you you got to be careful there, at least like giving me that that kind of open-ended question. You said I can go as far back as I want. We got uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, but but firstly, let me just uh, say thank you. Uh, thanks for for having me on the show here. I love listening to to Doug uh, talk. Uh, you know, with such um, enthusiasm and excitement about the plans that uh, that Sask Power has um, to to make this uh, this energy transition. It really is an exciting time for. Saskatchewan and, and Saskatchewan really is uh, leading, um, uh, you know, uh, Canadian provinces in, in many ways in terms of uh, the the proactive and thoughtful approach it's taking to to making this transition. So I hope we get to talk a little bit about that. Um, so I uh, let's see, where, where, how did I end up here? I I uh, I guess uh, back in just the about 2000 or so, um, I, I joined the board of uh, Hydro Ottawa. I'm from Ottawa, born and, born and raised in Ottawa. And um, it was a pretty exciting time for the utility because we were merging uh, about five different electric utilities in, in the region. Um, in Ontario here, as, as you probably know, Lisa, we, we, the, they, they changed uh, things up so that, that the utilities could start uh, share capital corporations and start doing some innovative things. And uh, so I got started to get very interested in electricity just about the same time that we were having uh, kids. Um, Lee and I were having children, and and uh, my my concern about uh, climate change was was coinciding with that. And and so I wanted to marry what I was doing during the day with uh, my day job with something that would contribute to to helping you know uh, deal with this challenge, this existential threat uh, that is is climate change, and. And uh, electricity is a really uh, is a really important way of uh, of decarbonizing uh, our economies around the world, right? Uh, I didn't don't know that I really appreciated it at the time, just just how fundamental uh, it is to to decarbonizing our economy that we that we not only get away from generating electricity uh, from from fossil fuels, we got to get away from that. Uh, but we also have to greatly, uh, vastly increase the amount of clean electricity we generate as a as a planet, so that we can use that that, that emissions-free electricity to fuel shift away 
from from parts of our economy um, and the and and, and uh, the, the manners in which we live, so that so that we can get off fossil fuels uh, using using clean electricity, and uh, you know electric vehicles is a is a is, is an easy way for for your listeners to get their heads around that. Imagine everybody shifting away from the internal combustion engine to electric vehicles. That's going to require a lot of clean electricity. So. Uh, so electricity is a fundamental um, building block in terms of, of how we make the uh, clean energy uh, transition. And over the course of the last 20 years or so, I've uh, steadily moved through through different parts of the electricity um, uh, cycle or ecosystem. Uh, spent a long time um, in renewables, uh, both as a the developer of uh, re- renewable energy projects. I was. Uh, the head of the Canadian Solar Industries Association for about seven and a half years, and and then uh, about four years ago, uh, you know, just sort of reflecting on how far wind and solar had had come, uh, I'd also become to to realize that we're going to need more than just wind and solar to make this uh, transition, and uh, that's when I started to explore uh, nuclear and to look into the real facts um, behind nuclear. It's an amazing, amazing. Uh, safe, uh, affordable technology that Canada is exceptionally good at, and there's there's really great um, innovation going on in the field, which I hope we speak about. And so I've been with the Nuclear Association now for for just about four years, and and uh, trying to do um, my part with our team here to to help make this clean energy transition happen with uh, with nuclear in the mix. That's great. Thank you very much for that great background, John. And- you know the the passion that you're bringing. It's you know it's it's linked to your you know your family. You starting a family and the fact that you want to sort of set that future generation upright. That's uh, that's that's also uh, very admirable. So good for you. Thank you. So so thanks for the background from both of you. Let's jump into kind of the the impetus of the discussion and and you know as as discussed, there's probably different trails we'll go down as a result. Um, but Doug, maybe you can you know start. You had a big announcement, I think at the end of June regarding your SMR project. You've mentioned that there's a 2029 decision date, um, but you know you you wouldn't make a big decision announcement like this if you weren't you know pretty keen on the whole idea. Um, give us the summary on the project and, and, and why to do it, what it looks like, kind of where, how, you know, the, the general description, and I'm sure there will be different threads that we can pull at, but but start by maybe giving us a, a background and, and tell us about the project uh, and the initiative that uh, SAS Power has underway. Yeah, sure. You know, we as I said earlier, we've been looking at nuclear power for a long time. I mean, we looked at large reactors back a decade or more ago, and and more seriously, and they just at the time didn't make sense for Saskatchewan based on their size. And and then over the last, I'll say five, six, seven years, we've been taking a really strong look at at small modular reactors as the technology started to evolve. And and that got us to um, a point a couple of years ago where we decided to move really more detailed into a planning phase. So about a nine-year planning phase to get us to a construction decision in 2029. And and right now we're in year two of that that long planning phase. And the announcement you recognize was, it wasn't the beginning of the work, but it was one of the big announcements, is we selected a technology. So we were doing an extensive evaluation. You know, we were working with our partners at OPG and others, and as well as our, our own consultants in, here in Saskatchewan to look at, like, what was the right technology for Saskatchewan if we were going to look at SMRs. And certainly picking your technology is an important part as we start to look at siting, as we start to look at engagement and, and move down the path for our licensing. So in, on June 27th, we announced uh, that we had selected the G Attache BWRX 300 
uh, SMR is the technology that we're going to be taking through our planning phase. And, and ultimately, when we, if we get to the point of making a decision to construct, that could be the technology that's built here in Saskatchewan. And so that was a really exciting moment for us. You know, we've been working a lot on, on nuclear power uh, and SMR specifically over the last number of years. But that was the first really big public piece of that and the big announcement that we made when we selected that technology. And that was nice is that OPG had, had made a similar decision on a, the same technology back a number of months before us, and they came to the same conclusion that that was the right technology for them. And after doing our work, we determined that that was the right technology for us. Um, and it's one of a number of big initiatives that we're doing here in Saskatchewan as we're moving towards uh, being net zero. Um, so it's, it's a really big step for us. And I think you mentioned the why we're looking at it. And, and for us, the why is really about getting to, to be net zero. You know, I started in the planning phase here at SAS Power back, I think, in 2015 or something like that. And that was just around the time when we started to really talk seriously about bringing our emissions down here in Saskatchewan. And the province of Saskatchewan and, and SAS Power made the determination to, to reduce our emissions by 50% below where they were in 2005 levels by 2030. At the time, we didn't really know how we were going to do that. And we knew it would be a lot of work. And, and it has been a lot of work, and, but we're on the path to do it, um, to get our emissions down by 2030. But doing that is really about doing things we already know how to do. So it's about adding lots of wind and solar and using gas to back it up and batteries and things like that. So it's a, it's a ton of work but we kind of know how to do it. You know, we have to figure out how do we manage wind and things like that when you have more wind on our system. Um, but the real challenge for us is not, is going to be how do we get rid of the rest of those emissions? So that gets you to 50% below we're in 2005 levels. Right. But then the challenge is, well, how do you actually get to net zero? And getting to net zero for us anyway means we have to look at new technologies and do things differently. You know, we, if we're going to be, you know, we're still going to have lots of wind and solar on our system, but to get to net zero, we need baseload energy supplies that are non-emitting. And right now, as I said earlier, we don't have a lot of untapped hydro potential. So for us, it's really about looking at those technologies um, like nuclear power that are you know, available 24-7, they're non-emitting, they're reliable, and they're really based on a proven technology. I mean, nuclear power is something that's used throughout the world as a, as a safe, reliable source of energy. And so with, with SMRs, it's the technology has evolved now. It's not a brand new technology, it's more of an iteration of existing technologies that are available to places like Saskatchewan because of the size and the cost. Of it. it just makes a lot of sense for us. So yeah, that was the first of the big announcements we had. You know, we are now moving into the siting phase. There's a lot of work between now and 2029 we have to do. I mean, you know, we're a non-nuclear utility, so we have to understand what does it mean to become a nuclear utility, you know. Uh, we're also going through and siting the first greenfield nuclear project in Canada in a long, long time. So learning how to go through the new regulatory process to do that. So a lot of work ongoing between now and 2029 to get us that decision and announcing the technology was the first thing. Next up will be us starting to talk about siting and where we would actually construct an SMR here in Saskatchewan, having that discussion. And then it'd be moving through the licensing and and getting our licenses in place for for 2029. So a lot of a lot of work to go. Uh, we've got a really dedicated team here, and you, you talk about the excitement in the industry. This is a really exciting technology, and so we've got people working really really hard on this. But they're all really really passionate about it because yeah. you know, it's a daunting task to think about getting your emissions down to zero or to net zero. Um, and nuclear power is one of those technologies that really points us on a path of how we could do that. Without nuclear power, it's difficult to see that path to net zero in Saskatchewan. 
Um, but this really has shone a light to say, okay, this technology seems to make sense for us. Uh, the technology is evolving. You know, other utilities are doing it together. So we're not going down the path of doing this our own. I know, you know, we looked at carbon capture and storage and we built the world's first large carbon capture and storage facility here in Saskatchewan. But we were really blazing a trail by ourselves. And it's a pretty daunting task to take on those brand new technologies when you're going down the path by yourself. But you really are seeing a, a renaissance or a real uh, for nuclear power around the world as people are coming, I think, to the kind of the same conclusion that we are, that the path to net zero almost has to include nuclear power because a lot of jurisdictions like Saskatchewan don't have hydro. Um, you can have lot, all the wind and solar you want on your system, and they certainly are going to be a part of us getting to net zero. But there's lots of times in Saskatchewan when the wind isn't blowing and, and the sun isn't shining you know, in the dead of winter, when it's really cold, we typically have very little wind and certainly batteries and things like that can help you for hours, but they're not going to keep the lights on here for days and weeks when you need it. So, you know, uh, you know, we're really excited about this project. It's a, it's a ton of work, but it, it's great to be advancing along this with, with other partners here in Canada, because there's a lot of interest here in, in the West, I think, uh, of, of using certainly SMRs to decarbonize the electricity sector, but ultimately also to decarbonize the industrial sector out here in the West. So. And as a so that's a great kind of perspective. And I want to tease a couple things out of there. And maybe I'll, sure. I'll turn to John as it relates to, you know, uh, SMR. I mean, we, we may have some listeners who uh, think we're talking about steam methane reforming. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's particularly those of those west of you in Alberta. Talk to us, John, about you know, obviously it stands for small modular reactor, but but what does it mean? Like, how do you classify it? How is it different from large, you know, nuclear? Uh, are there, you know, we've heard about the the technology announcement. Are there a bunch of players? Maybe give us a, a crash course in SMR, if you will. Sure, uh, be happy to. So, so small modular reactors—they're the—they're the the next uh, generation of nuclear technology, um, and uh, the the latest generation. And as their name implies, uh, Matt, they're they're smaller and uh, they're 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 modular. Um, and I'll I'll expand on this a, a little bit, but. There are um, many different types of technologies under this under this category that are under development right now, and and some uh, are closer to being ready to deploy than others. Uh, they can be as small as you know, sort of two megawatts big. So if you imagine powering two thousand homes, or uh, as large as uh, three hundred megawatts, which is mm. how we we generally define these uh, things and. And Sask Power, with their technology selection, as Doug was saying, has has gone with the GE Attachi uh, technology, um, which uh, is the same technology that Ontario Power Generation has gone for, and it's on the uh, larger side uh, size of the of the small modular reactor spectrum. So, the the GE Attachi um, unit will will be producing about 300 megawatts uh, of electricity. So it ranges from about two to 300 uh, megawatts. Um, the, uh, the, the promise of small modular reactors is that because they're smaller, uh, they can be either entirely uh, manufactured uh, or uh, in manufacturing settings, like on an assembly line almost, so those you can imagine those small ones would actually fit on the back of a, 
of a, a truck can be shipped to site and, and dropped right. off. Uh, or in, in the case of the larger ones, um, you know, most of the components uh, are, are manufactured in a, in, a, in a manufacturing facility and then shipped to site and assembled. So that's much different than the conventional reactors, right, which are very large infrastructure projects. So these small modular reactors uh, come in various sizes, various technologies. They're largely uh, manufactured uh, they're, uh, because they're not large infrastructure projects. That, that also means that uh, the price tag is a lot more approachable. And so that, that by extension, the, the private financing sector can come in and, and participate in, mm. in financing these uh, manufactured uh, units. So you're getting into uh, ideas now of uh, being able to take advantage of economies of scale, and you're getting away from, uh, you know, some of the risks that are associated with large infrastructure projects. And you're able to um, you're able to put one unit in place, and then maybe as you go down the road, if your operation is growing or if your need for electricity is growing, then you start stacking units not on top of each other but beside each other and you you can take this in incremental approach to, to adding clean electricity and the, the the other thing i'd say and doug touched on this uh is these uh small modular reactors uh, some of them um aside from being very scalable uh some of the technologies produce a very high temperature heat so you know we generally think of uh small modular reactors or nuclear i should say as as creating electricity, and, and they do. But with these small modular reactors, um, you can, uh, some of the technologies produce very high temperature heat, which means that you are certainly able to create electricity, but you could also be uh, using that high temperature heat to replace industrial heat in, in certain processes, using that high temperature heat to produce hydrogen, or using the heat and hydrogen and electricity, getting all three of those things to happen at the same time. So you can imagine in the Saskatchewan context, uh, you know, bringing these into potash mining operations and being able to, you know, use that industrial heat uh, to to replace fossil fuels in, in the processes they're using while creating the electricity that the mining operation needs and even the hydrogen that might be used for the, the heavy transport. So these are very, uh, they're like a Swiss army knife of a, of a, uh, a high energy, uh, high temperature energy machine that, that does some very versatile things. And uh, for Saskatchewan, especially when you consider your oil and gas operations, you can decarbonize those, your potash mining, mining for critical minerals, uh, what have you. It's a, it's a really great fit. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about small modular reactors. And John, how is the Canadian Nuclear Association, like what's your, what's your role and how are you linked to the SASP power opportunity? And I asked that because I had actually reached out, I think, originally to you and you had actually suggested we bring SASP power onto the show um, you know, obviously to talk about the project, but you have a specific role. So what does that look like? Can you can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So the Canadian Nuclear Association, we're the, we're the, uh, the voice of the nuclear industry in, in Canada. Uh, we've, uh, we've been around for 62 years now. And, and, and uh, so Canada was a world leader in, uh, in, in nuclear power. And, and so we've, we've uh, been around um uh, working primarily in Ontario, where nuclear provides about two-thirds of our electricity, and also in New Brunswick, where uh, nuclear provides about a third of New Brunswick's electricity. Uh, we um, uh, were the, the, not just uh, the spokespersons for the industry, but we do a lot of policy uh, uh, work, a lot of advocacy, a lot of uh, public education, and increasingly we're active in new provinces across Canada that are looking at nuclear. And that's where Saskatchewan um, has has come into play. Of course, this exciting prospect of 
of Saskatchewan almost creating a complete uh, ecosystem for nuclear, right? Saskatchewan is al already mm -hmm. the second largest exporter of um, uranium in the world, mm -hmm. uh, a role that is only going to grow now with uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the, the intense uh, desire that there is for energy around energy security and, and the trajectory that we now see nuclear is on uh, in the rest of the world, right? Uh, there's a there's been a, a huge uptick uh, because of the climate crisis and the needs around energy security for, for nuclear power. And so uh, companies like Cameco and Urano and, and some of the, uh, the exploratory companies too, like Denison, et cetera, that are, are based in Saskatchewan are, are really uh, a world player in terms of uh, uranium. And now bringing uh, the prospect of becoming a nuclear operator, uh, as Doug was outlining with, you know, um, owning and operating uh, small modular reactors uh, means some pretty exciting opportunities for diversification in Saskatchewan that make a lot of sense in terms of bringing that whole fuel and operation ownership cycle uh, together. So the, the Canadian Nuclear Association, I think we're, we're assisting by, um, by being able to bring the, the expertise uh, and understanding that we have of nuclear from these other provinces to Saskatchewan. And and working um, in particular uh, very closely with SAS Power um, in, in terms of the uh, providing information and outreach to, to stakeholders and including things like this podcast, which I, which I hope is, is helping to increase folks' understanding of, of the potential role of nuclear. Fantastic, thank you. I uh, want to get back to the, the project specifically, and I love that kind of vertical integration or, or complete ecosystem that's potential, that's possible in Saskatchewan. Um, Doug, you made reference to, you know, you have a technology decision, you have a final investment decision in 2029. Um, you know, for some people, the next seven years to develop a project might uh, might seem like an eternity, you know, for for those who are used to smaller projects or 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 things like that. But you have a lot of work to do. Can you can you walk to a, walk us through kind of some of the big building blocks of planning and design that your team's going to go through now? Yeah, I mean, we we just say it's, it's a long time. We start talking about you know a 2029 decision and a 2034 and service date. That seems like an eternity. And certainly when we're talking to people in Saskatchewan, they say, well, why does it take so long? You know. And the reason, but then if I went to talk to the, the, the team I have working on, they say, well, they feel rushed every day to try and get that work done. So there's a tremendous amount of work. Um, yeah, we are in year two of, of a nine-year nine year planning process, I guess. And uh, there's a whole bunch of pieces. Some of them are in parallel. Some are, are sequential. But, you know, certainly selecting a technology was a big decision for us. You know, having that technology selection, because that's important for us from a regulatory standpoint in terms of that will be the technology we will be utilizing to to go through getting our site light license with parasite and our impact assessment process. So it's really important. Plus it's important to have a technology that we can use in our siting phase. So, you know, the next big thing we're doing, and then we've been doing this in parallel is really trying to identify where in Saskatchewan does it make sense to build, build this first SMR. And so we've been doing a lot of technical evaluation, looking throughout Saskatchewan to say, you know, where does it make sense? And we're at that stage where we've identified regions in Saskatchewan to, so that we can, you know, sit down for the first time, we can sit down with the public and put a map up on the wall. And very soon we will then draw circles on that map and say, okay, within these regions, we think from a technical standpoint, it makes sense to have a, an SMR. And then we'll really start the engagement process with, with those areas and with everybody in Saskatchewan to say, okay, these are the areas we've identified. And, and now we'll start working with the public to say, okay, what do 
stakeholders in those areas think about that. You know, one of the things they want us to consider with siting, and that really involves us getting out there and meeting with, with communities and towns, you know, all the stakeholders in those areas, and really importantly, meeting with, with Indigenous communities and First Nations to understand the impact of a project like this for them, both the opportunities and otherwise. So we'll, you know, in the, in the coming months, you know, as we start to move down that path, you know, we'll be uh, announcing our sites, our regions of interest, and then really working with those with those areas to to let them understand the project, but also hear back from those communities uh, to the things that are important from them as we're starting to identify specific sites in those areas where we could actually build one. Yeah, so that that works ongoing right now, and that'll be the next big piece for us. You know, Doug, be, Doug, on the, on the, on that siting analysis that you're oh, doing, I'm curious, is it largely um, electrical kind of load needs around the problem like what what are some of the key inputs into that technical it's a, it's a whole bunch of things so we we have lots of experience siting projects so there's a lot of work that goes to say a lot of it's the same whether you're a nuclear project or other so certainly there's all the infrastructure that goes in to help support you know any large power project so it's certainly you know where do we need the energy in the province so ideally you want to be as close to where you need the energy as you can be just so you're, you're not having to move that energy across the province you know we want to look at you know, so we want to look at access to existing transmission infrastructure, you know, because that can be a big cost. We need to look at access to roads and infrastructure and all those kind of things that support any kind of large project. Um, you know, for nuclear power plants, as well as at SMRs, as well as other projects, access to water is going to be a really key thing. You know, where are we going to get access to that water that we need for cooling and for process? So being out here in Saskatchewan, it can be you know, it can be it can be dry and it can be hot. So we need to find those areas that have access to water. So that's a really key thing for us as well. You know, we, we also have to consider, you know, this is a long project. You know, when we actually construct this, and if we make the decision in 2034 to construct this, this project will be in operation for at least 50 years or more. So we need to make sure, you know, where are we locating this that we can attract and retain those workers? Because this could have a big impact. You know, where are we going to have a, be able to build this that we can attract and retain workers for 50 or 60 or 70 years? You know, so we have to take that into consideration. You know, so there's a lot of pieces that go into getting us to that site. And, and a lot of it we've done from a technical standpoint. And now it's actually getting out there and meeting with the communities and saying, you know, what's important for them from citing it? Um, and so and then with that input, then we'll ultimately get to the point where we can actually identify specific sites where we where we construct a, our first SMR. So. You know, a lot of work going on there. So siting is one of the big pieces. You know, we we're talking about all the work we have to get done. Siting's a the probably the next big public piece that has to get done. You know, just putting in place the infrastructure within SAS power to support nuclear power. It's a very different than you know how we do things right now. So understanding, you know, the, the nuclear safety culture and the management systems required to support this is gonna is gonna take a lot of work. You know, um, working through the regulatory process. It's a very lengthy regulatory process. And that's one of the big pieces that, you know, makes for a nine-year planning phase is, is getting ourselves positioned to go through the impact assessment process, going through the license to prepare a site through the, the CNSE and getting ready for our, you know, ultimately for our uh, construction license and all the operating license, all those licenses that come. There's a, a tremendous amount of work there to do that, you know, and and uh, so it's it's a it's a really lengthy process. Um, but it, what's what's nice for us is being a non-nuclear utility is that it the Canadian nuclear industry is really collaborative, which I think it's a lot same with a lot of industries that we work in. But it's really really collaborative, and it's been really great working with with certainly with CNA 
working with OPG, working with New Brunswick Power, you know, they've been very helpful at helping us understand the things we need to do and, and working really closely with them has been tremendous help in us being able to advance our project. So, you know, there's a, a ton of work we need to do here. You know, we're, we're starting to engage as well with the, with the educational, with the University of Regina and the University of Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan Polytechnic, because, you know, one of the things we're also going to need to get in place as we move down the path is, is to get all the trained workers you're going to need to support not only the operation of, a, of an SMR, but also all the pieces that go into supporting it, uh, all the infrastructure that goes in there and all the, the work that needs to go into that. So we, we need to work closely with all the educational institutions here in Saskatchewan to make sure that by the time we get to make a construction decision in 2029 and move toward or and then move towards being an operation in 2034, we have all the people we need to actually operate this thing because it's going to be a very different workforce than the ones we have now. And so we need to start now getting, you know, uh, the kids that are going into university, getting them to go into the, the nuclear sciences and the things like that to get them ready for careers in nuclear power here in Saskatchewan in the 2030s. I think it's a tremendous opportunity for, for a lot of young people to get into this field because it's going to be uh, a lot of really good jobs uh, that will go on for a long time here in Saskatchewan. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of work going on. Uh, it's really, really exciting. And it, it's going to be a really busy time. You know, 2029 seems like a long way off, but it's a, it's a blink of an eye in terms of the work we have to get done between now and then. So, but um, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun, I think. And Doug, you mentioned safety at some point, and maybe yep. you can comment on this, John, because you also mentioned it uh, in one of your previous comments. But, you know, contrary to popular belief, nuclear is quite safe, right? Uh, but there is, uh, there's a list, I think, as, as it relates to project development or that site selection. I think it's the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, right, that has that list. And I truthfully haven't looked at it. But, John, maybe we could start with you. And, Doug, you can sort of fill in the blanks if, you, if, you, if there are any as it relates to this specific project. What are some of the you know, specifics that you have to look at as it relates to the safety component of nuclear and selecting the site, if, if that is a, if you, if you can comment on that. So I, I can certainly, um, I can certainly speak about the, the broader uh, context for nuclear and safe, safe operation. And, and uh, I think, you know, Doug can, can speak uh, in a much more informed way about about the thought process and the analysis that uh, Sask Power is, is doing, but uh, you know, Lisa, as you said, um, there's there's a lot of misinformation uh, and stigma around nuclear for lots of interesting reasons that we can't really uh, get in, get into right now, right? But everything from pop culture, uh, you know, and and the Simpsons to you know just a can. <laughs> Uh, just a just a, a confluence of, of of things that have happened in the past, and you know, I was reflecting on this the the other day. Um, in, until quite recently, uh, there there wasn't a lot of reason for people to think very hard about where their electrons come from, right? Um, and so, in, in in when you don't have to think about where your electricity is coming from because it's handled by, you know, some mysterious utility um, in in the background somewhere. Uh, then it, it's pretty easy just to ex accept at face value some of the, the misinformation and things around nuclear, right? Uh, but what, what, what's interesting is that with the climate crisis, uh, people are now becoming um, deeply interested in where their electrons are coming from. And 
And, uh, you know, they, they don't want those electrons coming from sources of generation that are, are, are uh, creating CO2, like fossil fuels, uh, if they're not combined with carbon capture and storage, coal and, and gas. And as, as Doug said, that's, you know, the, ch- the, the challenge and the opportunity for Saskatchewan is that it's primarily fossil fuel driven by coal and gas right now. So, so uh, people and policymakers and utilities are, are, are looking at their options in terms of uh, uh, clean electricity. And that means that people are taking a real look at nuclear, maybe for the first time in, in decades. And when they do that, they begin to understand the, the real facts behind nuclear. And one of the real facts is that nuclear is the safest form of electricity generation, period, per kilowatt of electricity produced. And I mean, it's, it's not ever comfortable to talk about fatalities, you know, when it comes to industrial plants that are creating electricity. Uh, but, uh, you know, coal-fired electricity generation um, is killing millions of people a year around the planet because of uh, the particulate matter that they're breathing, not to mention mm-hmm. it's pumping CO2 in the air, and and that goes for other fossil uh, fuel forms as well. Um, industrial accidents happen in hydro facilities and and in wind farms and in solar farms and when you parse through all of the data and you you know go to the United Nations or to the World Health Organization um, and I encourage your listeners to do that you see that nuclear is actually the safest form of electricity generation on earth so we got a, a tremendous uh, track record here in Canada in particular you mentioned our, our regulator the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission uh, Dr. Ramina Velshi the president uh, over at uh, the CNSC actually oversees the Global Safety Commission uh, on nuclear through the international um, Atomic uh, Energy Agency. Uh, Canada just has a, a phenomenal uh, track record and a lot of expertise that it's sharing with the world around the, the safe operation of nuclear. And as Doug was saying, this incredible collaboration, and I mean, it really is an incredible network of, of industry professionals in, in nuclear are sharing all sorts of uh, information. And Ontario and New Brunswick's experience in the safe operation of, of nuclear is, is definitely going to be a big advantage to, to Sask Power as it works with the regulator to make sure it's got a, a world-class uh, uh, system in operation. Great. Yeah. That's yeah. When we started looking at nuclear power, like safety was the first thing we looked at, and and we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't feel it was a safe technology. I mean, we've done a lot of work looking at this, and safety. I'll say it's SAS power is one of the the key things we consider, and and what really convinced us. You look at the long history of safe operation of, of using nuclear power here in, in Canada, seven years of, of operating. Uh, in a really safe manner. So it's, it's something that's really convinced us that's a very safe technology and, and it's something that we look forward to going out and talking to the public. As, as John pointed out, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And and I really like John's comment about that people really haven't considered where their electricity coming is coming from. I think people really take electricity for granted. I know we did some surveys back a number of years ago and we asked people, what's the most important thing in your daily life? And they talked about you know, roads, schools, and all this kind of stuff. But electricity neighbor came up and then we said, well, what about electricity? He said, oh yeah, that's that's the most important thing because they, they just take it for granted that they've got, you know, reliable electricity everywhere. And, and people really do need to start thinking about because there is no magic bullet to getting to net zero. And so, you know, here in Saskatchewan, we're starting a very lengthy process of engaging with everybody in Saskatchewan to talk about our energy future here because because there is no easy solutions. I mean, we want to engage with the public here to understand you know, what it's going to take to get to get to net zero and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, it. it it's really been taken for granted electricity for a long time, but people really do need to start thinking about it. So, 
Yeah, as you mentioned, you sort of, you know, you come, you came here in the boardroom and we flicked on the light switch and not too many of us link, you know, flicking on that light switch to the fact that we don't have a flicker of the lights here. You know, we can leave the light switch on for as long as you want. We're going to have likely, you know, good power the entire time. It's you're right. We, we all take it for granted. That's that's for well, sure. It speaks to the like, people remember the time a week ago when their electricity went off for an hour. People remember those things because it is so rare. Yeah. Uh, so we take it for granted here in North America just how lucky we are with a with a reliable electricity system. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, this is a side topic, but I love. We've had many good electrical engineers from you know Southern Asia, and what the, the irony or kind of philosophy is is not lost on me that these are guys who grew up and remember not having power in their hometown or they remember significant intermittency and so you know for them the reality of of, of reliability in the electrical grid is like it's real like uh, me growing yeah. up it's like no of course it's there i you know but for them it's 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 real that you know the stark contrast of what they grew up with versus what they get yeah. to work on I, you don't realize that. i know my, my dad's an engineer and he grew up on a farm and uh he he talks about the impact of rural electrification. So he was on a farm pre-electricity. And when, when the government of Saskatchewan came and hooked all the farms up, he talks about that as one of the greatest achievements. And one of the things that stands out to him in his life is the day they were able to have electricity on the farm. So we, he remembers before and after and how big an impact. And our kids and, and myself have never known anything but reliable electricity here. And the challenge for us is going to be, you know, how do we make that switch from reliable coal and natural gas and things like that to a future without those things. And certainly here in Saskatchewan, you know, it's going to be a challenge getting that base load electricity that's available on our coldest day and our hottest day and is available 24-7. Uh, and that's where the role we see is for nuclear power is that it, it does provide that replacement for coal and natural gas in a non-emitting way that will allow us to add lots of wind and solar and get our emissions down, but not impact everybody's ability to have reliable electricity here in Saskatchewan. Because without that base load electricity, you know, it, it would be a big challenge to keep that that electricity reliable here in Saskatchewan. So. Yeah, can I, to, can I just, ahead. sorry, yeah, uh, Matt, if I could just uh, add to, to, to what, what you and uh, Doug were just discussing. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's the, well, first of all, Saskatchewan has, you know, some of Canada's best wind and solar resources, right? Um, uh, which is terrific. Uh, but uh, those are, they're weather dependent, right? And if the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing and that happens for extended periods of time, then uh, you need you need that reliable, firm electricity that uh, that Doug was speaking about. And I find one of the most, having coming from the renewables space, right, and having spent two decades trying to, you know, working with some really great folks in Canada and around the world, trying to bring the cost of, of wind and solar down and to, to work with utilities to, to get to understand uh, how they can, can work with uh, wind and solar. Um, you know, obviously a big, big fan of it. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we need to find firm, clean power that is going to, to be able to support the wind and solar when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. And one of the most exciting things about small modular reactors is that they're very responsive. So aside from being, aside from providing that baseload of electricity, um, many of the different technologies can actually ramp up and down quite, quite, uh, in quite a responsive way, quite quickly, the way that you could do with, with gas fire generation, for example, so that you can really be a good partner for uh, wind and solar in terms of being able to support them. So when, when Doug talks about that mix uh, that's coming in, nuclear and small modular reactors are, 
are, are in fact expanding the opportunity for wind and solar to come onto the system rather than taking away from it. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a, an important uh, attribute of the small modular reactors. And it's an important piece. I think so a lot of times, at least here in Saskatchewan, we hear the, the discussion framed as it's an either or. It's either you want renewables or you want nuclear power. And I think what we're going to need in the future is all these different options. There's a mix, there's a, a role for all these. Like wind right now is the cheapest form of electricity we have in Saskatchewan, but it can't be relied on all the time. So it's it's all of these tools are going to be required for Saskatchewan and everybody else in the world to get to zero emissions. And certainly there's a role for wind and solar and batteries, but there's also a role for things like nuclear power. And they're all all of these things are going to be required to get everybody down to net zero at some point. So. I want to come back to something John said because at the end of the day, I'm a I'm an engineer at heart, and and uh, so we, we got to go a little bit deep on some technical aspects. You mentioned John that it can it can ramp up and down, and I I don't know you know nuclear is not the industry I I came from, so I may have a false perception of large nuclear, but my perception is that there's less ability to respond to load, and it's kind of set it and forget it. Um, but is it different in, in SMR? It sounds like it's different. What is, is it on the nuclear side? Is it on the kind of steam side? Like where, what's different about it that allows a bit more load following capability? So I'm not, uh, unlike you, Matt, I'm not an engineer and okay. I'm not the best person to ask that question to from a technical perspective. I mean, Doug, Doug may be, be sure. able to, to answer that better. Yeah, I, I think what, I think nuclear power in general can you can move it around. I think why we've left it sit where it is is because once you have it built, it's a really cheap form of electricity. Right. So it's sometimes cheaper to gotcha. keep it running at base load than it is to move it around. And certainly with SMRs, the way they're being designed now is there there is it's it, it's a it's an evolution of existing technologies, and they certainly do provide the ability to move the electrical output, like the heat you're generating from the that that nuclear fission process, to change that to to increase or decrease the amount of steam you have coming out. Plus some of the new technologies, when you look at some of the advanced reactor technologies, they do come with the ability to create very high temperature heat. And what's nice about that heat is that heat can be stored. And so you hear talk about things like molten salt reactors and other things like that. There will be the ability to store this high temperature heat in different types of media that can provide long-term storage. And that stored, stored heat can then be used to fill in the gaps left by renewable energy or to decarbonize elect, uh, other sectors of the economy as well. So, you know, I think nuclear power in general can move around more than it does. SMRs are certainly being designed to provide more flexibility around that. And uh, so, but again, we may operate them more as baseload. I mean, the reality is they will be very cheap to operate. There are other ways to manage some of the intermittency of wind, and that might be the role for battery storage. You may have SMRs running to provide that core basal electricity you need 24 hours a day. Then you'll have wind and solar available when they are, and then batteries there to help fill in some of those gaps. So it's gonna be a combination of all these things, but certainly the work we're doing on SMR is that if required, we can move them around. We can increase or decrease the amount of energy output from them, so. And Doug, from a technology perspective, I know we're coming up on the hour here, but you guys chose G Hitachi uh, as a supplier of choice for yep. this SMR project, you know, obviously assuming it, it moves forward. Can you talk about what went into the selection of the vendors, if you can, and right. and and why you guys chose finally Jihi Hitachi as the SMR vendor or supplier? Sure, I mean, we've, we've been looking at 
SMRs for a long time, and certainly over the next number of years, working closely with OPG and others, we've been going through kind of a joint technology evaluation, looking at a number of, of reactor designs. Um, and so OPG, based on a lot of that work, OPG made their determination to pick the, the G Hitachi design because it was the right fit for their Darlington project. You know, after that work was complete and after they made their announcement, we continued on with our evaluation, looking from a really from a Saskatchewan perspective to say, what's the best choice for us? And we landed on the same technology for us. And really the, the determining factors that went into that, they were all very interesting designs. But when we looked strictly from an electricity standpoint, from a what's the right technology that we can has the best chance of getting on the grid by 2034 and helping us decarbonize our electricity sector. That's how we landed on that technology because it provided the least risk from a project schedule, cost of electricity, security of nuclear fuel supply standpoint for our very first one, for decarbonizing the electricity sector. But that's not to say the other technologies don't have a role here in Saskatchewan. Now, certainly the ones we looked at, we looked at G-Attachy, we looked at X-Energy, we looked at Terrestrial, all very interesting technologies. And when you start to look at something like an X-Energy design that has very high temperature, a high temperature reactor, that may have a really great role for helping decarbonize other sectors of Saskatchewan. You know, we certainly are going to rely on nuclear power to decarbonize electricity, but for groups like potash mines, the oil and gas sector that requires lots of natural gas to make steam for their processes, they are also thinking about how do they decarbonize their, their sectors as well. Um, and that's where they're looking at things like those other types of reactors. And that's some of the other work that we're doing here in Saskatchewan. So in parallel with the work we're doing around our GE Attachee project, we are also looking at the role that advanced reactors could play here in Saskatchewan to help decarbonize everything else. Because the reality is the electricity sector is a small piece of, of where the emissions come from Saskatchewan. Most of the emissions come from transportation, other sectors. So we need to decarbonize those areas as well. John, you wanted to comment on something, I think, there? Yeah, I just, I think uh, the, the selection of GE Itachi, uh, you know, make, makes sense from my perspective for for a number of different reasons. But but one of the prime ones is, uh, is that collaboration that Doug referred to uh, earlier. I mean, you know, Ontario is a, uh, Ontario is a, a nuclear operator. Ontario Power Generation is a nuclear operator. They have been for for over sixty years. They're you know, uh, along with Bruce Power, um, you know, just the some of the best operators in the world. And so, um, you know, Ontario will be moving forward with the GE Attachee technology as well. It will be the first time that it's deployed in Canada. Uh, so it just makes a lot of sense for Ontario to be going through the the, the de-risking uh, process here and the regulatory process. Uh, while Sask Power follows in lockstep, and and it's just a it's a at least a risky uh, path forward for 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 Saskatchewan as as well as being a, a great technology, but I just wanted to to say if I could it's a, a bit of a a bit of an offshoot on the discussion here, but um, you know Saskatchewan is. Um, almost like the the business case for how many provinces in Canada are going to make a good energy transition. You know, we've got a federal government who has set some very ambitious targets for, you know, uh, for how we get to this net zero future. 
And uh, Saskatchewan has um, one of the most challenging pathways uh, to get there because, uh, as Doug said, there's very limited access to water power and a, a very heavy reliance on, on um, coal and, and gas. So as, the, as the, the federal government says, you know, Saskatchewan, you got to go through this, this net zero uh, transition. Um, let's hope that the federal government steps up and, and helps support Saskatchewan and the other provinces that are relying on, on coal and gas to, to make this transition happen properly. And so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to, 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 to see that the federal government has come forward, you know, uh, recently with a, um, recognizing that nuclear is a, a strong um, and pivotal part of our energy transition. But now I hope uh, that uh, as, as uh, Premier Mo and, and Prime Minister Trudeau and the respective governments um, talk about how that that energy transition is going to be uh, supported. That they're they're able to see how how the federal government is going to help with this uh, this exciting opportunity to to make Saskatchewan a, an operator of uh, nuclear facilities as as well as a as an exporter in, uh, of, yeah. of uranium. Yeah, yeah. There certainly is a big role for the federal government. Certainly, I think you know one of the challenges is going to be for for any for a lot of jurisdictions in Canada, is how do we make this energy transition in a way that continues to keep electricity affordable, but also competitively priced with your neighbors? You know, we're Saskatchewan, Alberta are bordered on our two sides with, with uh, British Columbia and Manitoba, both with lots and lots of hydroelectricity. And so as we make this transition, I think there's a big role for the federal government to help support this transition for jurisdictions like Saskatchewan, Alberta, and, and helping to ensure that we keep, you know, as much as we can remove any barriers to, to projects like these proceeding, but also find a way to help support them so that they we, we can make this transition in a way that we keep electricity here affordable for everybody in Saskatchewan. So, And I, I love the, I'm, I'm glad that you guys brought that up because I think there's a, you know, not knowing a lot about it, but my sense is there's a rich tradition of Canadians exporting both technology and know-how. And so, you know, here's another opportunity for us to, you know, get ahead and, and yes, export uranium, but also export, you know, maybe not technology, maybe, uh, but but know-how, right? And become, you know, a leader in the world because as a, as a as a, 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 um, a country, we are, you know, leading or certainly near the front of the pack of this energy transition. And this is a, a tool in that. But the, the, the many parts in the world have a long way to go for their energy transition, right? So it's a real opportunity to be a leader uh, worldwide uh, as Canadians. And uh, so it's been, you know, great to have this conversation with the two of you who are, you know, uh, leading leading the pack as we as a country lead the pack, right? So um, as we kind of wind up here, is there anything else, uh, John or Doug, that we haven't touched on on the project or the industry or, um, you know, the 2022 midterm elections that you want to talk? Just kidding about that. <laughs> anything else you, you want to kind of touch on as, as we kind of wrap up here our time together? I'll just uh, I'll just say thanks again to to uh, to you, Matt and, and Lisa, for for having uh, me on the show here with Doug. Really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about uh, nuclear. And and may I just say uh, in parting, you know, I'm so excited for Saskatchewan uh, in terms of the you know the the journey that's it's, that it's on and and the opportunity. Uh, that uh, that it has here with with nuclear to to diversify not only its its electricity source, but but uh, some of the economic opportunities as well. Very exciting time. Yeah, Doug, I'll just you say, have the last word. Yeah, 
Sure, I'll say well, thanks, Matt and Lisa, for having having me on, and, and John. It's always great to talk. You know, I just want to put a shout out a little bit to the, the great team we've got working here on our project. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work, and we've got a really excited team working on this. And and a big thanks to to the CNA and and OPG and New Brunswick Power. You know, we, it would be really tough to see us going down this path if we were going there by ourselves. So it, it's really great to work with the other utilities here in Canada. And I'll say just a plug out for, I'm an engineer, a plug out for, it's a really exciting time to be in the technology fields here in Canada. There's a tremendous amount of opportunities in nuclear power and everywhere else. It's going to be a, a real challenging, but really exciting time uh, for, for Canada for making this energy transition. And it's going to provide a tremendous amount of opportunities, I think, for Canada. So. Awesome. And and uh, what's the best way for folks or listeners who want to reach out and, and, and get in touch with you guys, LinkedIn or email? What's the best way to find you both? Well, certainly for me, you know, I always I love having I love talking about this stuff. So they everybody can certainly reach out to me directly if they have any questions on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere. Also, I think if people want to understand our project, if they go to www.saspower.com, I guess I don't need to say the www. Yes, but the <laughs> I, my kids always catch me. They say, Dad, you don't need to say that anymore. But if you go to saspower.com, there's a, a piece on our energy future. And so what we're going to be doing is starting very soon. We're going to be starting with a lot of discussions in Saskatchewan else we're talking about the energy transition Saskatchewan's going through and uh, so we welcome people's feedback on that and their thoughts about how we're going to do this and certainly you know as we continue to progress our, our nuclear project our SMR project there'll be lots of opportunities and dialogue around that so people can reach out to me directly if they want to stay up to date on the project just visit our website and we'll have lots of information there and lots of opportunities to participate then in the discussion in the, in the coming years. Yeah, and for and for us, uh, thanks for thanks for uh, making sure I don't fall into that same www uh, trap there. Doug. <laughs> but you, you can you can always go to c, uh, cna.ca, uh, or, or else uh, our our Twitter uh, feed is a uh, Canada Nuclear. Canada Nuclear is our is our Twitter feed, and there's lots of great information on there too. Excellent. Well, thank you both. This has been this has thank been you fun. Very much. We are we are smarter for it. Uh, our listeners are smarter for it, and I love the piece about the collaboration. I mean, that's largely why we do this show is we want everybody in this space to 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 be able to connect the dots with other people who are struggling through the cha- same challenges and and faced with the same opportunities that they are and how can we work together and and there's there's so many big problems in front of us uh, and so many different technologies out there uh, we need to be doing it as a as a team uh, and, and as a collaborative effort moving forward so I appreciate the emphasis you both uh, put on that and uh, I look forward to uh, putting a placeholder on my calendar for 2034 to uh, get this group back together and and see how the operations are going and and. <laughs> And, and hear the, the horror stories and, and more importantly celebrate the success so thank thank you to John and to Doug uh, really great conversation Lisa thank you as always uh, for setting setting this up and to our listeners thank you for, for listening in to this uh, energy radio episode and as always if you have ideas for future guests or feedback on the show please uh, please reach out and let us know uh, and until next time uh, remember you're not alone in this energy transition we're all working together to a cleaner world 